Luke chapter number 1, and we're looking at a series over these next couple of weeks on Christmas reactions, Christmas reactions. Um, no doubt that uh, as, uh, as you approach these days, as you approach Christmas, there are different reactions that people have. Some people are excited for Christmas. They're, they're looking forward to it. They can't wait for it. Other people are, are, are a little bit more hesitant, I guess you could say. They're, they're, they know, okay, there's party here and a party here and a party here and a party here. And, and uh, there's, there's more stress. And, and maybe you've got to cook a lot of food and things. And, and maybe it's not quite as exciting as maybe it was whenever you were just a kid and all you thought about was the, the, the Christmas gifts that maybe you'd get. And, and uh, you know, and of course, there's, there's all kinds of things going on in busyness of life this time of the year. And, and there's a lot of different reactions that people might have. Well, from the Bible, we have different people that responded in different ways to the very first Christmas. We know the very first Christmas was the day that Christ was born. When, when Christ was born, we, we celebrate His birth, and, and we think about that. And so as we approach this, time, this season, and we approach this time of the year, we're taking just a few, few moments to step back and look at some different people in the Scriptures and how they reacted to the birth of Christ. And today we're going to talk about the very first person, the very first person humanly that knew that Christ was coming. We're going to look into the life and the reaction of a young lady named Mary. And so if you find your way over to Luke chapter number 1, we're going to dive into the scriptures here in just a moment, verse number 26. Before we do, let's pray. We'll ask for the Lord to help us, and then we'll jump into the Word of God together this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time that you've given us to be able to come together, to be able to open your Word, and to be able to hear from you. And God, now I pray for a few moments that you help us to bring our thoughts into captivity so that we can focus on your Word and get what you desire for us to get this morning. I pray, God, you'd help me. You know, Lord, there's a lot of things going on, and and Lord, my mind has been pulled even before coming up to the pulpit today from, from different things, I pray, God, you help me to focus my attention, Lord, and be able to communicate clearly what your word has to say. God, this is such an important truth. This, this example that we have in the Scripture is so vital for our lives, and I pray, God, that as we look at it today, that each and every one of us be able to receive it and be able to apply it to our lives right away. Thank you, Lord, for each one that's here, for some that, that are guests here and, 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 and some that maybe haven't been here for a little while. We thank you, God, for each one that's here, and I just pray, God, they'd, they'd feel warm and, and welcomed by our church. I thank you, God, for a place where we can come together corporately and worship you. And now, God, I pray that as we dive into this portion of the Scripture, Lord, that we bless your name, and God, that your word would be lifted up. And God, we pray these things in your son's precious name. Amen. Amen. My kids recently uh, have, have wa- started watching this show. We don't, we don't let them watch a lot of TV or, or anything like that, but every once in a while we'll, we'll turn something on. And, and, and here recently, there's been a show that they've been really excited to watch. Anytime that we, we say, okay, we're going to sit down, we're going to watch something or, or whatnot, they always ask for the same thing. And it's, it's this show called Man vs. Wild. And uh, basically what it is, some of you... Oh yeah, I know what you're talking about here. It's a it's a show on on, on the TV that uh, uh, the a few the guy used to be famous, Bear Grylls. He was an outdoor enthusiast and things like that. But basically, the the whole thing is is he goes and he gets himself into all these really dumb situations, and then it's an interactive show where you can make the decision for him. Or sit there and says, okay, should should I go and get bit by the snake or should I you know go do this? And and uh, and and you get to choose which one. And 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 then he goes that way, and of course he gets bit by the snake and then dies. Right? You know, what I mean, like that's the that's the way that the, the the way the 
way that this all works, right? And, and, uh, and so the kids love this. They, anytime that, uh, that, that we tell them, okay, well, we're sitting down, we're saying, hey, can we watch man versus wild? We want to watch this where, where we can make these decisions and make all these things. But Jace has gotten it in just, uh, just the last couple of days. Uh, Grandma and Grandpa have been over here, and, and uh, on, uh, I think it was Friday night. Yeah, the, the ladies had their thing over here, and, and Grandpa was watching the, the kids, and so they were sitting there watching, and Jace had the remote. And so he was getting to choose all the decisions and things like that. And when Jace has the remote, he, he'll go through, and if he makes the wrong decision, it's real simple. You just press the back button, and you get to go back, and you get to make the right decision, right? Make a different one. And it's it's kind of like the, the, the books that maybe you remember. I remember as a kid, we, I used to read the Create Your Own Adventure books, where you could go, and you, you, you'd read the book, and get to page number nine, and it'd say, if you make this decision, turn to page 62, or if you make this p- decision, just turn to the next page. And, and, and you, you go through, and you, make the, and you keep your finger in that page, because you knew if you made the wrong decision, you could just flip back and make the right one, right? And, and uh, that, that's kind of the way that it, that it works. You go through, and you, you're, you're making decisions, and all these different things, and then you just, oh, okay, that was the wrong one, or maybe you want to see what would have happened if you went the other way, and you're able just to flip back and, and make a, a different decision. And as I was thinking about that, as I was preparing for the message and thinking through, thinking about that, I thought, you know, wouldn't that be nice if that's how life worked? I mean, you could just get a peek around the corner a little bit, and you kind of see, like, okay, this is where that's going to go. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to go that way, you know, and you kind of come back, and, and you choose a different d- different decision, right? You know, you, you wish you could kind of just, just get a little bit of a, a preview of maybe what's going to happen, and then you could decide if you want to go that way or not, and if it doesn't work out, you could just press the back button, right? You know, wouldn't that be nice if, if life, life worked like that? Unfortunately, that's not how things go. It's not how life works. And the truth is, is so often I myself find my life in a place where it feels like things are just shaken up all over the place. And, and sometimes you, you don't know which way's up. And it just seems like life is just chaotic and, and chaos. And so often we find ourselves there. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you're there right now and with, with all the holidays and things going on. I know there's things going on even in our church right now with some of the families in our church that, that it's just, I mean, it just feels like life's just, just shaken up and, and, and chaotic and it, and it can be easy to get in that place where you just kind of feel stuck. You just wish you could go back and, and maybe, you know, press the back button, make a different decision and see what would happen that maybe things would be different. The truth is that sometimes God is the one that shakes up our life. Sometimes it's, it's God that allows those things to, to take place for a purpose. It's, it's when you get that unexpected phone call or, or maybe you find yourself in a family situation that you didn't expect or you can't figure out which way is up and your whole life is just shaken, shaken up. And it's in that time that the question can be asked, what is our reaction? What is our reaction when our life gets shaken up? Well, this morning in Luke chapter number 1, we find an example from a reaction to the birth of Christ that tells us what we can do when life gets shaken up. Look with me, if you would, at Luke chapter number 1 and, and verse number 26. The Bible says this, And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. We know from the scriptures that that Joseph and Mary were were betrothed to be married, is is what the the Bible tells us. They were betrothed 
the betrothal process would have been similar to, to them being engaged, but it was far more binding than what we think of when we think of engagement. In fact, uh, it, it, was, it was so binding that they, they would even call each other husband and wife at that point in time. And, and the only way that that relationship could be broken was by uh, a legal divorce that, that, that would take place. And, and uh, that, was, that was something that, uh, that, that wasn't very common. And, 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 and it was so binding that if during this betrothal process, if, if the wife, uh, the, the, the woman was unfaithful, uh, she was to be put to death. It was, it was pretty serious. It was, it was a very serious thing. And uh, it was this commitment of, of marriage without the physical consummation of the marriage is, is basically what this betrothal process was. And thus, we find that the Bible tells us, and as we know that the Scripture shares with us, that she is a, a virgin. It's, it's most likely very possible that, that when the angel Gabriel comes to her here in, in Luke chapter number 1, that she was only a teenager uh, at this time. Many times they would get married when, only in their teens. And I can remember, uh, most of you know the, the Bateses and, and, uh, the, and, and Grandma Bates that, and, and Grandpa Bates that, that were here just passed away a couple of years ago. Uh, I was always amazed they got married when she was like 16 years old and uh, I, I was always just like wow what was that like you know when I was 16 I was not thinking about marriage I mean like that was there's a lot of other things on my mind but that wasn't what it was and you know today you know people wait until they're like you know 42 years old before they even think about getting married you know it's just it's a different different world that we live in today but I mean she she would have gotten married and whenever she was only in her teens and and so you know this was a, a very interesting time and, and you can imagine the excitement that Mary must have felt as she was preparing for the marriage ceremony, the big day. We know that they made a big deal of it. Uh, you, you can remember the very first miracle that Jesus did in his earthly ministry was whenever he went to the marriage supper in Canaan and, and he went there and, and you'll remember that it, this feast had gone on for multiple days. This marriage feast had gone on for multiple days and, and it got towards the end of it and, and uh, you know, his mom came in and said, hey, can you make some more for the people to drink? And, and so Jesus turns the water into wine. You remember the, the story. It was a big deal. It, it went on for, for multiple days. And so as she's preparing, you know, she's a teenage girl, just like uh, you know, all teenage girls at some point or another, it seems like they, they dream of their big day, right? They look forward to the day of wine. Walking down the aisle, look forward to the festivities. They look forward to, to the food. I mean, that's what I would look forward to. You know, I mean, they're they're looking forward to all the the things and the flowers and and, and everything that's going to take place over this 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 time. And she's she's planning and she's preparing and she's picking out the colors and and figuring out who to to add to the invite list and making sure that they don't miss anybody. Making sure everything's going to be perfect for her her big day. Now we can imagine that. That this big day that she would have probably wasn't going to be as big as maybe that one that took place in Canaan. Because we know that Joseph and Mary were, they were poor. That's, I mean, that's what the Bible tells us. Neither Mary or Joseph came from money. And, and in fact, we find that after Jesus' birth, when, when they came to offer a sacrifice in Luke chapter number 2, verse number 24, the Bible says that the, the, to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. He says, listen, if you're not able to afford a lamb, 
If you can't afford a sacrifice like that, he said, okay, then, then you can bring in just a bird, all right, this, this little turtle dove, uh, if, you, if you're not able. And whenever they came to offer their, their sacrifice to the Lord, that's what they offered. They, they didn't have much. They didn't have much money. In fact, uh, uh, the, uh, Mary uh, would later go on and say, listen, I, uh, he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaid. She, she didn't have much in way of wealth, and she considered herself very poor and of little importance. This mindset is it no doubt came not just from her lack of wealth materially, but it also come came from where she was from. We know that she lived in a little town called Nazareth. That's where Gabriel came to. Nazareth was just a small town. It had a population at that time of of somewhere around two hundred to five hundred people. It was it was very tiny. You can pretty much imagine everybody knew each other, but but the people of Nazareth were despised by Judah and the rest of, of the, the, the country there because of their contact with the Gentiles. They were looked down upon and that was, was who Mary was. That was where she had come from. There was nothing about Mary's life that would have pointed to her being the chosen one of God. She was a poor teenage girl with big hopes, plans, but had grown up in the wrong part of the country. There was nothing leading to this day that pointed to it being a life-changing day in her life. We can imagine that she probably woke up on this day just like she did every day and, and, and probably did, went through the same routines that she, she always did. And, and, and she probably was just getting ready for the day and, and just going through a day just like she always would have. But on this day, everything changed for Mary. On this day, her life would be turned upside down. The entire direction of her life would be changed. Because on this day, the angel of the Lord appeared to her with a message that would change everything. Look again at verse number, look down at verse number 28. As, as the angel now has come, he comes to Mary. And, and the message that he gives to her, the angel comes to her and enter and said, Hail thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And it says this, And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. I, I kind of think, you know, the, the, I love the, the exchange that takes place here. And I can't help but wonder if the angel, you know, he shares this, this message. He says, listen, Mary, you, you're blessed. You're favored by God. And I mean, he comes and he says this to her. And the Bible says that she's troubled at, at his saying. I can't but wonder if the angel of Gabriel didn't scratch his head. Man, if you're troubled by that, just wait for what I'm about to tell you. You know, I mean, like, just, you know, hold your seat because a doozy's just around the corner here, you know. He goes on and he begins to reveal God's plan to her. He says there in verse number 30, The angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, shall be called the Son of the Highest. The Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. See, for 400 years since the completion of the writing of the book of Nehemiah to this day, there, there had been no new, no new Old Testament prophecy. There had been no new word of God. 
There was a 400 year period from the completion of the Old Testament to the start of the New Testament where there was no revealed truth. There was no new knowledge that was given. They were silent years as they've been called. Now God, after he'd gone silent for these 400 years in just a few moments, just a few moments, he, in this one interaction, he, he gives the beginning of the greatest story that would ever be told. He sets in action, in emotion, some things that would change the course of history. The countdown to the coming Messiah had begun. He comes to Mary and he says, Mary, you're expecting. Congratulations. Tress and I were talking this morning. I was sharing with her about the message a little bit. And she said, do you remember how, how I told you how our... How we were gonna, uh, we were expecting, and I remember the first one we were sitting. I've shared before. We were sitting, in, and I was watching. We were in Indiana, and I was watching something on on uh, the. T- we were watching something on the TV, and and uh, she had gotten this giant cookie uh, that said, uh, you know, congratulations, you know, Dad, or something like that on it, and and but there was a really good preview to this movie that was on, and so like she's like coming over with this cookie, and she's like, and I'm like, just just a second, you know, I'm like I'm. <laughs> It was a really important preview. I never even watched the movie, but the preview was really good. And, uh, and she, like, she, finally, she came over and she's like, look. And finally the, the preview, I was like, okay. And I took it and looked at it. I was like, oh. And uh, found out, you know, oh, we're expecting, expecting our first child, Jace. And, and then our second one. She's super crafty. She, she went and she got, I don't even know how she, I still to this day don't know how she did it. She, she got a fortune cookie. And inside the fortune cookie, she put a wrapper uh, they said something like "Congratulations, Daddy" or something like that, and and uh, you you can imagine my shock. I was you know like we're eating Chinese food, and and I open up the fortune cookie, and I'm like, "What in the world? Where did this come from?" You know, like it's supposed to be like you know, you know, you know, you're gonna have a great day. You know, I mean, like something like that. You know, I'm like, "You're gonna, congratulations, Daddy." I'm I'm like looking like what? In the, I'm using a wrapper and everything, and uh, and she's like. I'm like, oh, you? Oh, okay. Oh, this is this is exciting. And and uh, on the last one, she just texted me and she's like, you should probably pick up a pregnancy strip. I mean, like that was that was pretty kind of kind of took a dive on that one. But uh, I mean, on this day, I mean, the angel comes. I mean, it wasn't Mary that was like, oh, I think I'm feeling a little rumbly in the tumbly. She 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 says she she's just going through her day, and the angel comes and says, oh, by the way, congratulations, you're expecting. And she's like, what? You know, I mean. How is, this, how is this even possible? Because, and that's exactly how she responded. She responded in the most rational way that could be expected. In verse number 34, And said Mary unto the angel, How, should, how shall this be? See, and I know not a man. What are you saying? I, I don't know Joseph. She said, I've never been with someone like that. I've never had a, a physical relationship like that. She said, it's impossible. That's, that's not even a possibility. She says, you know, it's just like, listen, I, I may have been born at night, but I wasn't born last night, okay? I know how this, this works. I've had biology one-on-one. I know how this... And she said, listen, that's, that's not how this, this goes. And, and, and I mean, here she is. It's, she's the first one on, you know, finding out that this impossibility is supposed to take place. Mary, right there on the edge of impossibility. But, but listen, she wasn't the first one to find herself on the edge of, of impossibility. You think about Moses and, and the children of Israel as they were standing there at the edge of the Red Sea. They're in Exodus. The Bible says God had took them to that place. He would brought them there. It was right where they were supposed to be. 
They're there at the edge of the the Red Sea and and they have mountains on both sides and there's one small little entryway into this this little area where, where they were standing on this beach. And in that entryway, now Pharaoh's army is coming crashing down through the mountain. There's nothing but sea in front of the mountains to the side of them, Pharaoh's army behind them and the children of Israel are in total panic. Moses, you've led us out here to die in the wilderness. We're not enough graves in Egypt. And Moses, standing there, he looks and he says, Hey, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Now when he said that, he had no idea what God was going to do. I mean, like he's standing there and he's, I mean, like I can kind of imagine, he's standing there at the edge of the sea and he's thinking, God, you've brought us here for a purpose. You said you're going to do something, so... It's about time. I mean, like, now's the moment, okay? Now's the time where you're going to do something. God says, Moses, stretch out your rod over the water. And I kind of think in Moses' mind, he must have thought, like, what, what good is that? I mean, Pharaoh's army's back here. We've got to take care of this problem first before we can deal with this problem. You know, I, okay, we don't know where we're going, but, but that, that, I know that's not the answer. I mean, he had to be torn in his mind. I mean, seconds are going by, and, but, but, but then he's... All right, and so he takes his rod and he stretches it out, and as he stretches it out, it's impossible. In fact, I've heard scientists, they say today, they said there's no way that that was possible. I heard a story about a young girl who was in her Sunday school class, and she had a teacher that was a little more, you know, a little more progressive, I guess you could say, and the teacher said, you know, well, they weren't at the Red Sea, so they were at the Reed Sea. They thought it was the Red Sea, but it wasn't actually the Red Sea. You know, the Red Sea, you know, that's not, it was the Reed Sea. The Reed Sea at that time of the year would have only been a few inches deep. And so it makes it, they could have walked across and, and it wouldn't have been a big deal. And the little girl, I mean, this little girl in her class, she looked, she said, that's, that's incredible. It's impossible. So she said, no, you, you're missing it, okay? I just told you, it's, it wasn't the Red Sea. It was the Red, Reed Sea. They walked across. She said, that's, that's unbelievable. Finally, the teacher's kind of getting a little frustrated. She says, what's so impossible about a bunch of people walking across the Reed Sea? She said, it's incredible that all of Pharaoh's army drowned in just a couple of inches of water. I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable. Listen, it was the Red Sea. In fact, you, you could go there today in the Gulf of Aruba, and, and they've do, dove down into the water, and, and they found chariot wheels in the water there. They go across to the other side where it comes out, and you know what they found on the other side? Chariot wheels. It really happened. Well, on that day, Moses standing at the edge of impossible. And he saw what God I can see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego standing there looking into that fiery furnace. I mean, they're standing there. I mean, the fire is blazing hot. They see this there. I mean, it, it was really there just as a detour. I mean, nobody was actually going to get thrown in because nobody's crazy enough not to bow down to the idol. Obviously, everybody's going to bow down. I mean, nobody. I mean, it's just there to say, listen, if you don't, this is the response. This is what happened. And everybody's going to bow down. Obviously. The music plays in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They don't bow down. So Nebuchadnezzar, he's... He brings them to him. He says, guys, he says, hey, you know me, I know you. He says, listen, I, I understand. There's probably just a miscommunication here, a misunderstanding here. Listen, I'll give you another chance. When the music plays, you guys just go ahead and, and you bow down, and, and, and then everything will be good. Everything will be smoothed over, okay? And, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego look at him, and he says, hey, listen, we, 
we aren't going to bow down. King, we're not careful to answer thee in this matter. He said, our, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us out of the fiery furnace and say, we will deli- he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But he, and then they say this, but if not, but if not, we're still not going to bow down. Worship the idol you've, ser- you've set up. I mean, do, do you really think that that in their mind, I mean, this is, I mean, don't forget, listen, they didn't, they, they had Daniel, they didn't have Daniel chapter number three. They didn't have the story that's in front of them. They didn't have any of that. They didn't know what was going to happen. Listen, in their minds, they thought they were going to their death. Listen, our God, he's able to do it. But if not, I mean, like that, that there was a big but there, okay? It was a big but if not. I mean, because they, they thought that was it. Listen, we're giving our life for Christ. We're giving our life for God. Impossible. And the shock. I mean, it's one of those things. We, I've said it before. I, I can't wait till we get to heaven. I think I'm going to go back and, and get to watch some of the, the, uh, the, the reel of, of, of some of these, these stories that took place in the scriptures. And, and this is one of them. I, I'm going to sit there and I'm just going to watch Nebuchadnezzar's face. I'm just going to watch it. You know, as, as, you know they throw the heat that five, seven times hotter than it's supposed to be heated. And they throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego down into there. They're bound in, into the fiery furnace. And I mean, that's the end of them. The guys that throw them in, the strong guys, I mean, they're, they, they perish because of the heat. And, and I mean, it's just, that, that's it. And Nebuchadnezzar's sitting there looking. And, and you, can, you can just, you read it, and it's just it's so cool. It's, it's, you, can, you can kind of see him. He just like rubs his eyes. He's like, man. I didn't get enough sleep last night. Like, this is, what's going on here? And he looks and he says, hey, hey, listen. Didn't we just throw three guys in, bound into the fiery furnace? And the, and, and the servant's like, yeah, yeah, we, we did. I mean, like, you, you just watched it. I mean, I see four men loose walking in the midst of that, that fiery furnace. And he gets a little bit closer, not too close, because it's pretty hot. And he says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you servants of the Most High God, come forth. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, walk, walk out of that fiery furnace. They don't even smell like smoke, the Bible says. There's not a hair on their head that's singed. And they, they walk out. And King Nebuchadnezzar, you know what he's thinking? He's thinking, there's no other God. That could do that. That was impossible. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego right there on the edge of the impossible. Man, I can think of, of Joshua. He and the, the children of Israel <clears throat> looking at this wall that is just massive. I mean, it's so, it's so huge they can drive two chariots across the top of it side by side. I mean, it's like 70 feet tall. I mean, it's, it's, it's massive. Jericho is an impenetrable city. There's no way that they can get in. But Joshua, I mean, the battle technician that he is, he gets his guys around him. They're forming a plan for how they're going to overtake this city of Jericho. I mean, it's impossible, but with God we can do it. And, and it's almost like Joshua's like, you know what, I should go talk to God about this real quick. Get it? Maybe I should get a battle plan for him. See what he said. You know, maybe we go around this way, we should go around this way. But, but I'm going to I'm go to him and I'm going to talk to him for just a minute and see what he has to say. He goes to, to God and he says, God, you know how, you want us to take this land, you want us to take this city, how do you want us, God says, all right, 
Here's the battle plan, Joshua. What? I want you to march around that city six times. Six times. Completely silent. I mean, and we've talked about it. I mean, like, Joshua in his mind, he's like, okay, so we're intimidating. We're intimidation factor. That's what we're doing, okay? We're intimidating them. And then on the seventh day, he's like, all right, here's the moment. This is the one we've been waiting for. He's like, on the seventh day, Joshua, you're going to play your instruments. You're going to smash some pots together. You're all going to yell real loud. The walls are going to fall flat. Joshua's like, so that's the, that's the battle plan, huh? Okay. And he, I mean, you can see him. He goes back over. I mean, like, he, can you imagine walking back into the tent? I can just picture, I mean, like, Joshua was not like some girly guy. I mean, like, Joshua's, he's won some battles. He's fought some wars. I mean, he's, he's like a real man. Real men have big beards, all right? I mean, like, that's, that's just, I mean, there's a few of you guys in here that are way more manly than I am. I mean, like, if I could grow it, I would do it, all right? But listen, I mean, just, I mean, big beard. I mean, like, he's just, t- you can imagine, he's probably got stuff in it. Because, I mean, it just, he doesn't care. You know, he's got, I mean, he just, he's just kind of a tough guy. And he walks in, and, and listen. All the other guys, all the other, you know, commanders and stuff in his army, listen, they got big beards too. I mean, like, and they've got stuff in their, I mean, it's just, it's just the way that it looks. And he walks in, he's all right, guys, here's the battle plan. And they're like, all right, what are we going to do? We're going to cut their heads off. We're going to, you know, stab them through. No. We're going to walk around real quiet for six days. The seventh day, we're going to walk around seven times. They're like, all right, so we're getting our exercise in, you know, getting our step count in. And he's like, and then all this, and then, and then we're going to yell real loud. The walls are going to fall. And they're like, you lost your mind, man. I mean, like, this ain't going to work. This is impossible. You can imagine their surprise. On that seventh day, on the seventh time, and they, ah! and all of a sudden, the walls fall flat. Man, that's impossible. But God did it. Gabriel, he goes into the details with her. Because God had brought Mary to a place of something, the edge of impossible. Because he was about to reach down and change the course of history. And for Mary, God had placed her right at the edge of this impossible situation in her life because he was about to change everything in her life. Gabriel gives her a little more detail. But it's kind of interesting what he says. Look at verse 36, or 35. He says, The angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost, Mary, you, you want to know, how is this possible? I, I don't even know, man. So, the Holy Ghost shall come upon you. And the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore, also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. He says, You want the details? Here's the details. Okay, you want to know how it's going to work? He says, It's going to work. The Holy Spirit's going to, I mean, it's just going to happen. That's, 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 that's how it's going to work. By the way, you think God can't do any, you, you don't think God can do the impossible? Verse number 36. Behold thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived an, uh, a son in her old age. And this is in the sixth month with her, who was called, by the way, she was called barren. Listen, she, you know your cousin Elizabeth? Yeah, the old lady? Yeah, that one. You, you nicknamed her the old lady? Yeah, that lady? She said, listen, she, that she's not able to have children. She's never had children. They said it's impossible to have children. She said, you, you know the one that they said that, that it's impossible for it to happen? By the way, she's pregnant. You don't think God can do the impossible? Let me prove it to you. He says this, for with God, nothing 
shall be impossible. Gabriel unfolds God's plan for Mary. For the first and only time in all of history, God would reach down and create a child in the womb of a woman who wouldn't have the seed of man. The echoes of Genesis chapter number 3, verse number 15, echo down through the scriptures in this moment. Because in Genesis 3, 15, he said this, and I will put in between. Enmity, as he speaks to to Adam, between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. The only time that a woman's seed is spoken of. Why? Because she wouldn't have the seed of man. No, no, no. She would conceive of the Holy Ghost. This child was unlike ever to be born before or since. This child would be called the Son of God. This child would be called... Jesus, the name that would be above every name, the name that would separate and divide until the end of time, the name that is powerful, the name that in Philippians chapter number 2, verses 9 through 11 says, wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, it was Jesus, this Jesus that would live a sinless life. It was just this Jesus that would give his life on the cross to pay for the sins of the world. It was this Jesus who would rise again the third day and prove why he is not just a man, but he is God. It was this Jesus that would ascend to heaven with the promise that he will one day return. It is this Jesus who will one day call his bride, the church, to be with him home in heaven. And it is this Jesus who will reign for all of eternity as king and supreme. It was this Jesus who Gabriel told Mary that she would bear this child. Because with God, the impossible is possible. Oh, wow. And now we've come to the moment of Mary's reaction. How would Mary respond to the promise of this Christmas child that was to be born? She, she could have responded any number of ways. She, she could have said, well, prove it. Prove it. She could have responded with questions. Well, I mean, like, I get, okay, so the Holy Ghost come upon me, the power of the highest show overshadowed me, and, and, and but, 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 but tell me more. I mean, like, what, what does this mean? Okay, I, I want to understand. I mean, I've got, I've got some questions here. That's, that's, I mean, like, if that was me, that's what I would have done. No, but instead we see an example of a powerful response when God shakes things up. Look at verse 38. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord. She said to me, the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. The word handmaid there is the Greek word doule. It means bond slave. It means slave. That's, that's what that word means there. Handmade, it, it means slave. When, when we were in Bible college, when I was in Bible college, and I took Greek, my, the first, one of the first words, I think it was the very first word that we learned um, in our Greek class was the word doule, uh, slave. I don't know why, but it was what they, they taught us first. And I remember our Greek teacher telling us, he said, just be careful, because he said, some of you guys are going to go out and you're going to find your girlfriends. You're going to be like, oh, you're my sweet doule, you know? 
And uh, he said, they're not going to know what you're saying. But eventually, they'll figure it out. <laughs> and uh, I never called Tressa Dule, okay? I, just, I, I was smart enough not to, not to do that. You know, oh, my sweet slave. I mean, like, I, I, never, I never did that. But that's, that's, what she, that's what she says. She says, I'm a, I'm a slave. Behold, the, the handmaid, the slave of the Lord. Paul identified the same way in 2 Timothy 1.8. He, he said there, Be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his, his prisoner. But be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. You see, we identify being a bond slave or a prisoner as a, as a bad thing. That's what we think. But in reality, it's being a prisoner... And as a prisoner, you, you set aside your rights. You set aside your plans for the will of the master. It kind of has the idea of when Jesus was speaking to his disciples in Matthew 16. And, and he told them in verse number 24, Jesus says to his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. It's kind of like he he looks and he says, listen. He says, if you want to be a disciple, if you want to truly be a follower of me, he says, here's what you got to do. You got to die to yourself. What is that? That, That's saying, I'm going to set aside my plans. I'm going to set aside my will, my desires, the things that I had on the plate of what I was going to do. God, I'm going to choose instead to follow you and your will. It's kind of like what Paul said in Galatians 2.20. Where he said, I am crucified with Christ. I'm dead. I've died to myself. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, I'm not living for myself anymore, he says. I'm living for someone else. My life is not surrendered for me and my will and what I want. He says, my life is God's. Father, not my will but thine be done, Jesus said. And that is the cry that we find from the Scripture. Lord, I am making myself a slave to you. God, you know I've got plans. God, I've been looking forward to my wedding. God, you know, I, I was hoping one day to, to have some children, and, and this is, I mean, like, this is an answer to prayer, but it's not the way I thought it was going to work. God, this is, do you understand what this, is, what this means? God, if I walk around, I mean, eventually that bump's going to show. People are going to start talking. Joseph and I, we're not, I mean, we're, 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 we're not, we're betrothed. We're not, we haven't, uh, they're going to try to take my life. But God... I choose to be your handmaid, to be your slave, to set aside my plans and my will for you and for what you have. I surrender to your word. That's what she says there. Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. God had turned everything upside down. Listen, friend, don't, don't forget, she didn't have the books of the New Testament like we do. 
She didn't have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. She didn't know all that Jesus was going to do, all that he was going to become. Listen, in fact, we'll look at it in a few weeks. Simeon looked at her and says, listen, there's going to be a sword that's going to pierce you. And when he said that, he wasn't talking about a physical one. He was talking about, listen, you're going to go through some severe pain as you watch your son die. But she didn't know that right now. All she had were a few verses that contained the, the word of, words of God that we get to look at. Just a couple of, of words here from an angel who said to her, here's what God's plan is. And her response was, God, I lay aside my will, my plans, and I submit to your word. God, what you're telling me seems impossible, but I'm trusting the God of the impossible. I'm all yours, and I believe and trust your word. Her Christmas reaction. Friend, when life gets shook up, what, what do you do? You know, earlier in this same chapter, the Lord came to Zacharias. And, and he, or the, the angel Gabriel came to Zacharias and, and, and Gabriel told him, he said, listen, your wife is going to conceive and going to have a child and this child is going to proclaim and, and be a prophet of God and, and going to proclaim of the coming Messiah. I mean, that's what he said. And you know what Zacharias' response was? We have it in, 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 in chapter 1, verse number 18. Zacharias said to the angel, whereby shall I know this? This is, this is impossible. This can't happen. For I'm an old man. <laughs> and my wife is well stricken in age. This, this is impossible. This can't happen. And, and so Gabriel looked at him in, in verse number 19. And, and he said, stand in the presence of God. I, I stand in the presence of God. And am sent to speak to thee. And show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb. Okay? And not speak. Until the day that these things shall be performed. Because thou believest not the words which shall be fulfilled in their season. John, we know the story, John isn't able to speak from that point forward. He's, he's, uh, he, he's not able to talk until the day that, the, that, that his baby is born. Excuse me, Zacharias isn't able to speak until the day that his baby is born. His baby, John the Baptist, is born. And, and, uh, I mean, and then finally the day comes and, and finally his tongue is loose and he's able to sing praises to God. But until that day he's not able to speak. Why? Because, because he didn't believe it. He didn't, not only, he didn't accept it. That's impossible. That, that could never happen. That, God, you know what? Here, if you do this, if you just give me a glimpse around the corner, then, then I'll trust you. If you just help me just to see, and, and, and then maybe I'll understand, then, then I'll believe you. But Mary's response was, I don't know how much, but I know you, and I trust you. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I know you, and I trust you. And God, I am your Servant, I am your slave. See, your response when life gets shook up is heavily determined by who you are slave to. Many people are slave to their emotions. So worried and anxious over everything that's happening, and I just, ah. Some people are, are slave to, to other people, what they think. Proverbs 29, 25 tells us the fear of man brings a snare. Whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. When God is truly your master, 
You can respond like Mary at the edge of a seemingly impossible situation. And you can trust God and His Word. You can say, Romans 12, 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God because it's your reasonable service. It, it says that when we present ourselves sacrificially to God, it's only reasonable. And when you do, and you trust in His plan, you'll find that God has a way of doing things so much greater than you could have ever imagined. Aren't you thankful Mary didn't say, ah, I just don't think I'm up for this. I don't think this is going to work for me. I got plans. I got things going on. I mean, there's, there's a lot happening in my life right now. Don't you know I'm a teenager and I've got friends? I mean, like, that's not what she did. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. God, I'm your servant. I'm your slave. Set aside my plans. God, I trust you. I trust you. And because of that, you know what she found out? She found out that Ephesians 3.20 is true. She, it wasn't written yet, but it's true. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Friends, we begin this month looking at some of the reactions surrounding that first Christmas. Will you... Take a moment look at this example that we have of Mary. Friends, she's not someone to be worshipped or prayed to. She's not someone that we should go and build a statue of. She was just a person. But she was a young lady that submitted herself to God. That when everything in life was shaken up in her whole world. I mean, it doesn't get more turned upside down than, oh, by the way, you're expecting a child from God. It, it doesn't get any more than that. When her whole world was turned upside down, she said, God, I'm yours. And what you have is best. And I trust you. Friend, as we go into this time of the year, it could be that maybe you're going through some things right now. As you turn the page into the new year, you're going to face some things. And it could be, you don't even know what's around the corner. Listen, she woke up that day thinking it was just another day. <laughs> you don't know that before you pillow your head tonight that everything could just change in an instant. But you can commit and make a covenant with God that God, when everything's shaken, when everything's turned upside down, help me to surrender to you. And to trust your word. Help me, God, not to go off and veer off on my own direction, my own way, and try to work it all out on my own like the children of Israel did there on the, at the edge of the Red Sea. God, help me to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Help me, God, that when nobody else and everybody else is bowing down, the fire furnace in front of me, help me, God, to trust you. God, when the walls are so big that I, there's no way that's impossible, but God, I trust you. And you just trust God. And say, God, behold the handmaid of the Lord. God, I'm your servant. Be it unto me according to thy word. I trust you. I hope each and every one of us can do that today. Let's have heads bowed and eyes closed today as we...
finish our service and as we have this time where we respond to the Lord. Oh, so many times in life we just want to peek around the corner. I know I do. Make life a lot easier if we could just see, you know, what maybe what's next. Lord, just show, give me a little glimpse of it. That's not how it works. And I encourage, encourage us, instead of asking God to help us to peek around the corner, instead to gaze into the, the Word of God and see how to react when God shakes things out. To respond, God, I'm yours, and I trust your Word. That's what Mary did. And I hope we'll do that as well this morning. With heads bowed and with eyes closed today, it could be maybe this morning that you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior. You've never asked Him to forgive you for your sins. Friend, the Bible's very clear. It gives us the promise that we can know for sure that we're going to spend eternity in heaven. Not based upon what we can do, but based upon what Christ did by dying on the cross for us. Not of works, lest any man should boast, the Bible says. It's the gift of God. Morning, if you haven't never trusted Christ as your Savior, and maybe you say, I, if I pillowed my head tonight and something happened to me, I wouldn't know for sure that I'd spend eternity in heaven. Today you can get that settled. You can pray right where you're seated and ask God to forgive you for your sins. Put your trust in Him. Maybe you want to talk to, to me after the service. I'd love to share some more verses with you that talk about that. I know we didn't spend a lot of time there today, but I don't want to miss the importance because that's what the truth is. That's, that's what it's all about. That's what Jesus came to this earth for. This morning, if you never trusted Him as your Savior, today would be a great day. If you have accepted Him as your Savior, it can be so easy when things get shaken up to go all different directions. This morning, let's turn our eyes to Jesus because He is the author and finisher of our faith. I hope we can do that together this morning. With heads bowed and eyes closed as the music plays, let's stand together. Father, bless this time now. Work in hearts. Pray in Jesus' name. Heads bowed and with